Gute Woche. It's a challenge. It's a challenge here to speak to two different age groups, fathers and and bochim, high school bochim. But yet that challenge is everything we're going to talk about tonight. In the relationship of the Rebbe, father and son, it's the topic for tonight. To go ahead and understand that gap and how we bridge that gap. I'd like to start as an introduction, a story, a personal story that happened to me when I used to work here as Manal under Rabbi Shapiro. It was before Shavuos and Rabbi Shapiro gave me a heads up. He told me you're going to be receiving a call from a father and he wants to bring his son home for Shavuos. At that point, we already had a staff meeting. We set up already a whole program for Shavuos, and it was decided that no Bochum was going to leave. Thank you. No Bochum was going to leave, and Rabbi Shapiro was a little challenged with this specific person to tell him no, and he asked to me, please, I told him to call you, you're the Manal, you should take care of it. No, I got the phone call, and the conversation rolled on. I had to deny his request, and he wasn't so quick to take no as an answer. As the conversation rolled on, he shared with me a certain comment, and he said to me as follows. That is the problem with you Lubavitchers. You teach the children that there's no father, there's only a Rebbe, and then the kids grow up without respecting their father. That was a comment this man made to me. I told him back, I said back to him, you really don't know me, so let me just share with you how I feel about the situation. Everything in life needs a point of reference. What is our reference of understanding our relationship with the Rebbe is our relationship with our father and our relationship with our grandparents. If we don't have that understanding, then we really have no point of reference in how we can relate to the Rebbe. We don't know what it means to sit down and pour out your heart in a letter to the Rebbe. We don't understand what the Rebbe's feelings for us are. So quite the contrary, if you don't have a relationship with your father, you don't have a relationship with a grandfather, you really have no understanding what it is to have a relationship with the Rebbe. This conversation took place many years ago, I told you when I worked here as a Manal in the Yeshiva Gedele under Rabbi Shapiro. And ever since that conversation, I've thought about it a lot. I thought about this conversation of, is it true? I thought about how in Chassidus, there's a famous line, from my personal being, I see Hashem. And I know that's the way it's supposed to be. I know that in Chassidus, it keeps on telling us to look into your own inner makings, see your own struggles, three, see your own gifts, and from that understand that it's a reflection of above. Hashem created us in His image, so if we understand ourselves, we'll understand Hashem's relationship with us. But the more I thought about it, I realized that for many of us, myself included, it works the other way around. For many of us, it was the opposite way. We saw from the Rebbe what it means to be a father in the way the Rebbe spoke to us. We saw how the Rebbe related to the previous Rebbe and spoke about the previous Rebbe. 
And from that, we had an understanding what it means to be a son to a father. And from that image that we have from the Rebbe showing us what it means to be a father, and the Rebbe showing us what it means to be a child to a father who loves you, we brought that into our own life. And from that, we started getting a picture of what we do and don't talk with our father about. We started getting a picture of how we act as a father to our son. So it really it ended up in reverse. And what I'd like to share with you today is a couple of stories tonight, a couple of stories from the Rebbe. And I'd like to present to you what I believe became a huge change in our picture of the Rebbe and the Rebbe's relationship to us post Gimel Tamas. Before I go further, I want to share with you another story. There was a, uh, there is a woman in my shul that went for a Shabbaton to Crown Heights. They put her up by a family, I know which family, and she stayed there for Shabbos. After Shabbos, she saw the way the 23-year-old son, right after Abdullah, was going with the father into the father's private study, and they were going to have a conversation. She was very intrigued by the scene, and she's asking herself, what would a 23-year-old bacher talk about with his father? I mean, most of you kids sitting by the table are 14, 15, and you wonder what you're supposed to talk to your father about. This is a 23-year-old bacher, and he wants to talk to his father. She was very intrigued by this. So, especially because there seemed to be a whole ruach shel kedusha, there was a sanctity. The son is going to talk with his father. Uh, Yiddish Mama decides that she wants to find something out. There's very little chance of getting in her way. And she found out what happened. What happened was that the boy was dating. He was going out, it was Shidduch time. And he went on a couple of dates with this girl. And he was going into the office with his father to discuss with his father what the details of this girl, the conversation, his feelings, his confusion, his doubts. What do you think, Ta? Should I continue? Is this a good thing? Is this not a good thing? She told me that she was completely blown away by that. In her world, there was no chance that once you were already at that age to discuss with your father, with your mother, your dating process, a parent, out of the question. That story changed my life in my relationship with my kids, in my commitment with my children and what my children would be in a relationship with me. Because I had to ask myself some real questions. What will it be in my world? What will it be in my son's world? Will he do what I did? Because when I was dating, share with you a secret, I did not discuss it with my father. I didn't discuss it with my mother. So I'm wondering, what will my son do? Who will he talk to about his feelings, his doubts, his confusions? Is it the right maidel? Is it not the right maidel? And then the biggest horror that scared me was that my son would do what I did. <laughs> I'm talking now to the sons here. Do you know what I did? I walked over to a classmate who was two months ahead of me in the experience. And he became the whole maven who's going to tell me what you're supposed to look for in a girl, what you're supposed to expect, what's good and what's not good. Imagine that. I have a father who's married for many years. 
I have a grandfather who's been married for double those years. And I couldn't talk to my own father about the Shidduch. I couldn't discuss with him my feelings, my doubts, what I think, what, what does this mean, what does that mean, how come she gave me this answer. So, but I had to talk to someone. So I picked a classmate who got married two months before I started dating. And he was my maven who guided me through the difficult, confusing times of dating. And that really scared me. When I saw that story, when I heard it from this lady coming back from the Lubavitcher home, I asked myself, what would be my world and what would be my son's world? Those are the two introductory stories I want to share with you. Because as I told you, the second story made the usage change in my life. So at that point, I wanted to look into Sikhs of the Rebbe, where the Rebbe talks about this topic. By the way, a great place for fathers and sons here, a great place to understand what a Rebbe's picture of a father-son relationship is, turn to the Friedrich Rebbe's diaries. He writes there things which are so personal. He writes there the day that he thought he didn't have a father because he never saw his father. He writes over there the day that he thought his father doesn't know how to read, and that's why he sits there and davens so long and he's crying because he's embarrassed. He writes over there about the day. He quotes this. This is the most glorious day of my life. Today I have a father. He talks about how his father called him into the office and apologized to him for not being able to bring him up personally. And from here on, he should only come to him, his father, with for any questions. He then goes ahead and writes how personal it is. He writes that every time my father blessed me in his office, he stood on this side, I stood on that side, this time it was different. And then he says that in the middle of his father's blessing, he looked up and he saw his father crying. He shares this with each and every one of us in his diaries. I turn to these diaries. I turn to these diaries to understand what is the real type of relationship a chsidish father has to have with a chsidish son, and a chsidish son has to have with a chsidish father. What do you talk about? What don't you talk about? I'm going to share with you my own little experience when I was growing up. When I was your age, obviously I'm talking to the sons here because some of the fathers are older than me. But when I was your age, when I was in yeshiva, later on when I went to become a bocher, mesifta, moved on to zal, my mashpiim at large for bringing about the Rebbe in a very specific manner. I have here some yeshiva classmates. And most of them for bringing about the Rebbe as a king and we were a servant or and a soldier. The focus of the Fabrengins that I had with my Mashpia were consistently on the same level. And they focused on that. They focused on that, what it says in Chassidus, what kind of relationship an Eved or a soldier has with his king. And that was the topic over and over. It was very clear cut. It created a very clear picture in our mind. And that's the way we wrote to the Rebbe. Now guys, picture what it would mean to sit down and write a letter to a king. You don't so quickly pour out your heart and personal struggles. And a lot of, I mean, we're all Bahram. We all went through this. 
Go write to a king your struggle with sneers. Go write to a king personal issues. It's not that easy. Because when you picture that you're standing in front of a king and you're writing to a king, the first thing that you go through is a total shutdown. Imagine if we do that with our father. Imagine if a father-son relationship works the same way. The son comes to talk to his father. He's about to tell his father something which isn't so ay-ay-ay about himself. And he's afraid. There was one voice that I personally grew up hearing which has the most precious place in my heart. Till this very day, whenever I see him, I walk over to him, a very special mashpia by the name of Rav Shloim Zarchi. Rav Shloim Zarchi, for those of you in the room who don't know him, was a total different Fabrengen. As they say in Yiddish, at Geret Sprach, he spoke so differently about the Rebbe. For those of you sitting here who were with me in those Fabrengens, you'll probably remember Shlemazachi would take Lachayim, quite a couple of Lachayims, and then he would inevitably take us back to a scene that he remembers in Rosh Hashanah in 770 when it was the small 770, and everyone heard, everyone heard every word of Haftoidah. When we grew up already, it was the 770 was big, and around the beamer was called the washing machine. Yep, you had a beer, a muzzle to see, forget about hearing. But he told me, he would say to every Fabrengen, he would start crying and he would talk to us about how the Rebbe used to say one Pasek every year of the Haftoidah with tears. He would hear the Rebbe crying. Which Pasek was that? Al Hanar It's the story of Chana. Chana couldn't have kids. She went to Daven for kids. And then when she was blessed with a child and she brought the child back to keep her promise and put him into the base of Migdash, dedicate his life, she said these words, For this child I cried. Shleim Ezachi would every single time start crying and he would tell us how in 770 every single bocher standing there felt his heart melt knowing that when the Rebbe said that pasuk, when the Rebbe told Hashem right before Tkiyas, for this child I cried, every Bacha knew the Rebbe meant him. That was a total different type of Fabrengen. When you'd see his face go into a different dimension, tears sneaking out of his eyes, Rabbi Shlomo to me, was a lone voice, is to 120, who spoke about the Rebbe on a different level. He spoke about the Rebbe with pure love. He gave us that type of relationship, which was no more just the king subject, king servant. You're nothing, you're standing in front of the infinite, which is all true. We'll talk about that in a moment. But this picture that I can look at the Rebbe as my father and I can share with the Rebbe my darkest mistakes, my biggest, deepest confusions, I'm talking to a father. I can sit down and write a letter. I want to share with you a story that I heard from someone that it's his aunt that the story happened to. This woman went and she wrote, and by the way, I'm talking about a woman, not a man of generation. This lady is my age. We're not talking about no ancient stories here. 
this lady sat down and wrote a letter to the Rebbe, and because she was crying so heavily when she wrote that letter, she, the letter was simply soaked and she never sent it. I'm telling you again, I heard it from the person who's this woman's nephew. Two weeks later, two weeks later, a letter came from the Rebbe to this woman answering what she wrote in the paper. Now, I'm not focusing on the Moifis, the Ruach HaKodesh. I'm focusing tonight on the theme that we're here for. Rebbe Chassid's father's son. This story is not a king subject. This story is a father-daughter story. The Rebbe felt, the Rebbe heard, the Rebbe saw, and the Rebbe was there. Most Mashpiyim didn't talk that way. And I want to share with you why most Mashpiyim didn't talk that way. Most Mashpiyim didn't talk about Avinu, our father. They spoke more about Malkeinu, our king, because truth be said, that's the way we heard the Rebbe talk about the previous Rebbe. And they don't, let's not lose focus here. These icons and mentors that I had, the chassidim that fabrained over and over that the Rebbe is our king and we're his soldier, and a soldier doesn't ask why, a soldier reacts. They were the ones that built an entire generation and world of shluchim. The shluchim is a very powerful king-soldier relationship. And yet, nevertheless, whenever the Rebbe would talk about this, the Rebbe would talk about why he's talking about a king-soldier relationship. Because if we don't have that, then we're not allowing ourselves to work on the Rebbe's level, the Rebbe's alpha waves. We're forcing a Rebbe to work with us according to what we understand. That doesn't work when you have to set up an army of shluchim. So that is true. But something amazingly changed. Something changed by Gimel Tammuz. And I want to share with you what changed, how I see it. I discussed it with my own classmates, and they feel the same way. Because all of a sudden, that lone voice of Shlema Zarchi, teaching us how to love the Rebbe like a father, how to talk to the Rebbe like a father, how to listen to the Rebbe like a father, carried on a whole new revelation. After Gimel Tammuz, we became privy to something called Rishimis, which was the Rebbe's personal diary. You should read this. They separated it from the learning. There's the learning diary, the learning uh, notes, and then there's the diary notes. I want to share with you something that the Rebbe wrote and was later printed in number 69. <laughs> the Rebbe writes like this. The previous Rebbe, the Fig Rebbe, came over to him in the middle of the night and told him as follows. For my dream that I just had, you should put mashka on the table. And you should say l'chaim. And then the Frigi Rebbe tells him as follows. Frigi Rebbe tells the Rebbe that bring mashka, give me a kiss, and go learn chassidus. And then the Rebbe tells the dream. The, the Rebbe writes over there that the Frigi Rebbe told him the dream. The Rebbe Rashab came to the Frigi Rebbe in his dream and told him, why are you broken? By you and your house, there's light. And the Frigi Rebbe gets very intimate. He tells the Rebbe exactly what happened. He woke up from his dream, and he saw the moon shining in. And he's wondering, in Kabbalah, that's big. Tonight is the 15th. A full moon, Malchus, Shleima Melech. And the Rebbe writes in parentheses, but he showed me with his hand, nah, that's not what my father means. 
So the Frig Rebbe got out of bed to look what his father meant. There's light in his house. And the Frig Rebbe says, and that's when I found you in my library learning. The Frig Rebbe then turns around to the Rebbe and tells the Rebbe, kiss me. The Rebbe tries to kiss the Frig Rebbe on the hand, and the, Rebbe sh the Frig Rebbe shows him, no, my forehead. The Rebbe kissed the Frig Rebbe on the forehead, and he writes right after that in the diary, and then he kissed me back on my cheek. This is a type of story that before Gimel Tammuz, I personally would never have known. I would have never seen such a relationship between the Rebbe and the Friedrich Rebbe. There's a book that was printed, private letters, only from the Rebbe to the Rebbe, to from the Friedrich Rebbe to the Rebbe and to the Rebbe. It's a whole volume. I want to share with you a letter that's printed there. Over there it says like this, the Friedrich Rebbe is writing to the, the Rebbe and to the Rebbeson, by the way, over and over and over again. Why don't you write me long letters with details? What's going on in your life? I want to know every single thing. Don't leave anything out. By the way, guys, aside, there's a letter there where the Friedrich Rebbe writes to his daughter, the Rebbeson. I hope for the letter that you are planning to write, you don't expect a thank you. That's how serious the Friedrich Rebbe is. He's pushing. I want to know details. The Rebbe writes back a letter to the Friedrich Rebbe and it's printed there. The Rebbe is explaining to the Friedrich Rebbe why he doesn't write such letters. Imagine. Friedrich Rebbe asked the Rebbe to do something and the Rebbe is giving an excuse why he doesn't do it. And the Rebbe writes there about his own personal nature, that I'm not that type of person whose every detail that I see, by the way, again, I'm aside, if you read the previous Rebbe story, he goes and he tells you the color of the room, what size the room was, what was the weather. That's the way the Friedrich Rebbe wrote. And that's what he wanted the Rebbe to write. He wanted the Rebbe to write that today in the streets of Paris, I took a walk and I met a Jew and it was this weather and there was a tree there. That's the way the Friedrich Rebbe wrote. And the Rebbe is writing back, that's not the way I work. I just don't think that way. Watch the Rebbe's, Rebbe's answer back to the Rebbe. This is all printed, by the way. The Friedrich Rebbe writes back to the Rebbe as follows. Were you to think into what kind of relationship needs to exist between you and me, you would find pages and pages of what to write. What a different relationship. Something that we personally never heard from our Mashpiyim. From our Mashpiyim, we usually heard this type of language. And again, my classmates can uh, hopefully back me up here. Be careful that the Rebbe shouldn't have to put his holy eyes on a face like yours. That's the type of language we grew up with. And to us, the ultimate authority of parenthood, the ultimate authority of a child to a father, is the Rebbe. The way the Rebbe was our father and the way the Rebbe is his Rebbe's son. And that bleeded over into the way the staff in yeshivas talked to their students and it led the way fathers talked to sons. And because I know how I would write a letter to the Rebbe, that was the way I reacted to my parents. And that type of thinking that there's a king-soldier relationship kind of closed certain doors on me. And all of a sudden, post-Gimel Thomas, I'm reading a side of the Rebbe and a relationship, and the way the Rebbe spoke to the Friedrich Rebbe, and the way the Friedrich Rebbe spoke to the Rebbe, 
details, everything. Tell me, share with me, kiss me on my forehead. That was a total new gateway to me. I want to share with you a second change that happened post-Gimel Tammuz. Post-Gimel Tammuz, Chassidim started talking about stories that they never spoke about before. Guys, in my office, there's hanging on the wall a piece that a son found after his father passed away. He's going through his father's notes. He found this, and he sent me a copy of it. This is the words he writes there. He's quoting the Rebbe. Undas, I, I believe it was in a Yechidis, and in Yechidis, as you know, you didn't talk to the Rebbe. First you wrote a note, you handed it to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe started the conversation. This is what he writes there, quoting the Rebbe. Undas was to schreibs, that which you're writing that I don't think about you is this nicht emes, it's not true. Und der Weiler ist es mehr nicht wie mir geurem agmes nefesh. It's only causing me pain that you think that way. Ich trach wegen die, was den asach niedriger wie dir. I think about those that are a lot lower than you. All of a sudden, I start hearing these stories, I start listening to these stories, I start reading these things from the Rebbe himself. I run back to all that I read now with the Rebbe's few stories he shares with us about his wedding, the Rebbe shared a story. All of a sudden, I'm re-looking at the relationship between a father and a son, a son and a father, what you do talk about and what you don't talk about. All of a sudden, everything changes. I want to share with you another thing. Another thing that changed after Gimel Thomas was Maskiris are talking about things they never spoke about. There's a book that's called Secrets from the Room. And that book is simply every single member of Maskiris was interviewed and they documented their stories. I was sent Yutshvat Shnasashishim by the uh, organization that takes care of self Talmidim. It's made by students, for the students. And they sent me to Israel to Fabrengim Mesiftis. In seven days, I had over there probably 10 Fabrengims. So by the time I got onto the plane on the way back, I myself, my coarseness was a little bit cracking. The day that I left, my classmate Yitzchak Cohen comes over to me and hands me this book. I'm sitting on the plane on a Delta flight going to Atlanta. It was a nice, big plane. I'm reading the book, I won't be embarrassed, and I'll tell you, I was crying the whole flight back. This is a Rebbe that my Mashpiyim never introduced me to. This is a voice of my father that I've never heard. This is a relationship that I've never been privy to. And all of a sudden, there's a complete picture here. Malkeinu and Avinu. I want to share with you a closing story. The story I heard from Rabbi Manus Friedman, and he's the one it happened with. Rabbi Manusfim was for bringing with my class right before we left to Venezuela. It was in a basement. It was an all-nighter. It went till 6 a.m. And he shared with us this story, an amazing story. There was a girl in his place in Beishana, Minnesota, that had an alcohol problem. He was on the phone with Rabbi Chadakov to write into the Rebbe. All of a sudden, on the, vo on the phone, the Rebbe's voice. The Rebbe would do that. The Rebbe would pick up the phone. And sometimes the Rebbe would make a comment straight into the conversation. And the Rebbe had one comment the Rebbe said into this conversation while he's talking to Chadakov about this girl. Der Mama weiß nicht? Now, the rules was 
that you didn't answer the Rebbe because the Rebbe was talking to his secretary. So Rabbi Chadikov repeated this to the question to Rabbi Friedman. The Rebbe Frech, the Rebbe is asking, the mama Vesnish, the mother doesn't know? And Rabbi Manus Friedman replies to Rabbi Chadikov, Nein, the mama Vesnish, the mother doesn't know. All of a sudden, the Rebbe's voice again, the mama Vesnish? At this point, it was very clear the Rebbe wasn't asking, the Rebbe was saying. So, after the phone, he went over, after the phone call, he goes over to the girl and he talks to the girl about this. He tells the girl, the Rebbe asked twice if your mother knows. I suggest, I understand from the Rebbe's question, the Rebbe is asking you to talk to your mother. The girl went back to her mother and this isn't easy. The, mother, the girl has an alcohol problem. She lived her whole life hiding this from her mother and now she was going to talk to her mother about a very painful dark secret. As she begins talking to her mother, the mother says, daughter, I know. She says, what? How do you know? And the mother says, because one night when you came home drunk, you knocked over next to the door the lamp. It came crashing down, I woke up and I saw everything. And ever since then, I've always watched and realized you have an alcohol problem. And then the mother and daughter together did what they had to do in order to help the daughter out of her alcohol problem. Guys, we can sit here and talk about the Rebbe's Ruach HaKadosh. The Rebbe knew that the mother knew. But I think if we do that, we're going to be missing the point. I think what's important from this story is, guys, it is the nature, fathers and sons, it is the nature of the human being to need to have a father to talk to and need to have a son to listen to and talk to. It is what we need to help get over major issues and sometimes to get over the biggest pain of all, something called loneliness. When you don't have a relationship with your father and you tell your father that everything's cool, everything's good, and you put up a show and your father doesn't get to know you, I want to share with you a conversation I had with my son when my son did that to me once. And really, I took upon myself not to say stories about my sons because I didn't want to get back to them. But I want to share with you one story. I found out something that happened with my son that I didn't know. And I told my son these words. And obviously now I'm talking to the kids. Kids, bochim. I told my son that the Abishter gave me the greatest gift of all. He gave me the gift of being your father. If you don't tell me what you're going through, you're not letting me be your father. So whatever you're going through, let me know. Because if not, I can't do my job. I told my sons these words. There are six billion potential friends that you have. There's only one father that you have. So why would you do the stupid mistake that I did when I was dating? Instead of turning to the person who would cut off his right hand for me in a heartbeat, I turned to a classmate who had maybe two months extra experience than I did. So when you go back now and you read the diaries of the Friedrich Rebbe, you see the type of conversations that are going on. Kids, fathers, learn to talk to each other. A son needs to have who he should talk about his fears, his challenges, what he's proud of, what he's not so proud of, and he doesn't need you to grade him. Fathers, stop grading your sons. They have over here a principal and teachers that do that. He needs you to listen to him, understand him, not judge him, and help him. Sons, there's no one, 
no one in the world that will listen to you the way your father does, the way your mother does. You are them. So what I'm sharing with you today is, guys, go out there. Starbucks is a great place to have a cup of tea where you're away from all the other siblings. Go with your father. Sit down for a cup of tea, Mother Shabbos. I'm serious with all the smirks here. I mean Starbucks, and I mean a cup of tea, and I mean to tell your father, I want to go out and talk to you. Go out and have a conversation. Talk, listen, build that amazing relationship that only a father and son can have. Guys, a good